We're at the halfway mark of the NBA season. Most teams have played their 41 games, but today we're going to be talking about the future of the Grizzlies, who have just had the most cursed season ever. Morant hurt. Adams is hurt. Clark hurt. Smart hurt. Bain hurt. We're going to talk about the Utah Jazz. They're on a crazy streak, about like 14 and 5 plus in their last like 19 games. Are they for real? Should they be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? Worst take, best take? Let's get you on foul trouble. You know, I've never had a consistent intro on this podcast. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> it's okay. You gotta, you gotta keep them guessing always. How was your long weekend, James? Amazing weekend. Let's just, you know, you know, switching leagues. There's only a couple more weeks of NFL action as a Giants fan. Cowboys lost. Eagles lost. My satellite team, the Buffalo Bills. No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. We're in it. It's great. <laughs> great. I did want to uh, just like put this question on you. What? Because I'm not like I'm an NFL fan, but I'm not like that, like steeped in the culture. What is like the NBA equivalent of the Bucks beating the Eagles in the first round? Oh, my God. I OK. I think it's almost like when the Trailblazers or the sorry, the Lakers lost. It's kind of tough because this Buccaneers team is not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. I feel like we haven't had an NBA like disappointment quite like who would you say is like the closest thing to like what the eagles were supposed to be this season Ooh, it's so tough because like last year's mavericks completely fell apart in the standings but like the eagles were 10 and 1 like we haven't had an nba team go from like first seed to like literally looking like the worst team in the entire league i don't think in my lifetime oh okay okay i mean i have it but it's an injury related one when the Bulls, uh, Derek Rose got hurt and they lost to the Sixers. Okay, so it's but, just like a crazy like yeah, seven the two. E- upset. The Eagles had injuries too, but they looked really bad before those injuries as well. So I don't even want to compare it to that D Rose Bulls team because like that team would have won if D Rose never got hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. It's definitely a hard one. But you know who else has injuries? The Memphis <laughs> Grizzlies. Stephen Adam, of course. Out for the season PCL surgery, undergoing knee surgery. Um, Desmond Bain did not play yesterday either. Jaron Jackson Jr. has been fighting injuries. So let me let me go through the. Of course, out. Jaw has shoulder shoulder surgery, so he's season ending. Adams had PCL surgery, which is a knee thing, season ending. Clark uh, had an Achilles rupture, so he's actually supposed to be coming back around All Star, but a little too late. Marcus Smart has a finger injury that's going to keep him out six weeks, and Desmond Bain has a sprained ankle that's going to keep him out six weeks. The Grizzlies are 15-25. and They're 13th in the West, and uh, this is kind of just the season from hell. I mean, it's the unavoidable. It's the injury season. I know as much blame wants to go toward jaw for the 25-game suspension. Like, it's it's mostly the injuries, right? Like, obviously, this team was really bad without jaw, but they were also without some other guys, and... The jaw, the jaw suspension, I don't know if we want to touch on it. It's it's weird because in the moment and in a vacuum, it kind of felt like the right number. But then stacked against these other suspensions we've seen, like Draymond Green, it's felt like overly punishing. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely. And, and also like with the Miles Bridges, like kind of suspension or just like they kind of like tacked it on him missing last year. It definitely has felt. A little bit hefty, but honestly, if I'm a Grizzlies fan, it's kind of a blessing in disguise because if you have jaw healthy for the start of the season, maybe you're 
sitting more of in a range where you can you have to make more of a decision of are we gonna put our foot down pedal to the metal try to make the play-in or just like fade back and now I feel like the answer is just made for them it's it's really easy yeah so I guess like Let's talk about the Grizzlies last season because last season the Grizzlies were 51 and 31 and they had this like in kind of embarrassing playoff loss to the Lakers. Like as far as the six game series goes, I feel like that's as embarrassing as you can get between like Dylan Brooks's antics. They had a quarter where they scored like nine points and they lost by like 30. But so last year's Grizzlies had a lot of injuries too. Morant missed 21 games. Jeremy missed 19 games. Bain missed 24 games. The big injury, even though it's not a part of their big three, was Steven Adams. He missed 40 games, which included the last 36 in the playoffs. Uh, they were 20 and 16 without him. So they were like 31 and 15 with him. So obviously they're just a completely different team when they have their full, you know, size load. I feel like what we've seen is like, Ideally, you want to play Jaron at the five, but I feel like as the league has kind of gotten bigger again, I do think Jaron is better suited in that four role. Uh, the big stat, 13.4 offensive rebounds per game with Steven Adams playing, which would have tied the Rockets for the NBA lead. 10.3 offensive rebounds without him. So that's three possessions less a game, which is like three possessions is a lot in the league where teams are averaging like 1.05 points a possession. That's three whole extra points a game. Absolutely. And, and for a team that isn't like, the most, you know, hardcore, efficient team out there. Those are super valuable, especially for the Grizzlies. And I I think we've seen, like, obviously, Jaron Jackson Jr. is a, a super valuable player and, like, kind of, in a unicorn in his own right, a guy that has proven, despite his size, he can definitely play next to another big. I think he's proven this year that that's also what he prefers. You know, he... He's not about that life of scrapping for offensive rebounds. He's versatile. He can guard on the wing better than nearly any other big in the NBA. And there was thought, especially from myself, of like, let's see it. Like, this is the time we're unlocking Triple J at the center position. But And you were kind of on this as well. That's just not like the best structure for this team i i think yeah no i think this team really is meant to be like a big rugged physical team and i think like to tag back to that playoff series is like it felt weird because it was like wow they have no answer for ad and i'm not saying like adams and clark are the answer for ad but there was this like this year you're seeing with minnesota they have this killer rotation with gobert towns and nas reed but like you kind of forget like last season and two seasons ago like clark jaron and adams was kind of like the killer big man rotation where it's like at all times you have one big man who's like doing a lot of cool things out there or if not two. Um, so a fun stat last year of the Grizzlies seven most played five man lineups, five of them were outscoring teams by over 11 points per hundred possessions. So I think we're kind of forgetting like how good this team was last year before all the injuries came up. So I don't know how you want to do this exercise of what they should do going forward. I kind of just, I divided this into the keepers slash the building blocks and the decision guys. So obviously the keepers, I've got John Morant, 24 years old, under contract for the next four seasons. Amazing. Desmond Bain, 25 years old, under contract for the next four seasons. Amazing. Jaron Jackson, 24 years old, under contract through 2025. With these three on the court last season, they were plus 11.7 and they had a suffocating 105 defensive rating with these three man lineups. 
Yeah, I mean, that's just classic Memphis grit and grind basketball right there. I, I do want to say one more one more thing about that playoff series before we get too into their roster. I totally agree with all those like stalwarts. Those guys are going to be on the roster moving forward. Um, it is the, the matchup against the Lakers was totally a Styles makes fights matchup of I don't know if there was a worse matchup for that Grizzlies team at that time than that Lakers team just to completely like do what they do but better. I do think though if the Grizzlies were healthy it almost flips the script. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Where it's like, oh, now the Lakers who I feel like got all the way to the Western Finals by being huge were like, oh wow, this team's kind of bigger than us, especially when AD is like sitting like the 10 minutes AD sits, like Clark is eating us alive. Yeah. yeah, and just like AD having to deal with a Steven Adams, a healthy Steven Adams. In, in addition post, to Jaren. That's just yeah. going to take a lot out of you, and he's not going to be able to do the offensive things that he did that really won the Lakers that series. But let's keep rolling. Um, yeah, just keep keep rolling with that. Okay, kind of so I've got, I've got six guys who I wrote down as decision guys. Okay. So the first one is Marcus Smart, who's 29 years old. So pretty in line with the timeline. I mean, that's what's beautiful about this Memphis rebuild is like, I'll be honest, if you just told me they just keep everyone and roll it next season, I think that's actually a really solid plan for this team because I think the roster is really, really good when it's healthy. And I think the ages all line up pretty good. But first guy's Marcus Smart. He's making 19 million next year, 21 million the season after. 29 years old. I have him down as a likely trade. How do you feel about Smart? I'm on the complete opposite side. Okay. I my thing about Marcus Smart is you traded him as a you traded for him as a win now piece. He's contract controlled. You have him for a few more seasons, and you didn't really get a chance to see what the John Morant, Desmond Bain, Marcus Smart like backcourt really looked like together and I'm still a believer that it could look really good really the one game that we saw with all three of them on the court they absolutely destroyed the Lakers and if that's if I have to put all of my faith in a one game sample size I want to like like I will I'll put it in that matchup at least like the matchup that knocked them out of the playoffs um I'd why are you leaning um, more of maybe I leaned, cashing in. So I leaned likely trade, not just because I kind of viewed the smart trade as more of a, hey, Jaw's going to miss 25 games. And if we don't bring in a point guard this year, we're kind of fucked. Yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously it didn't work out the way they thought. So I kind of viewed smart as either he's always going to be the six man, which I'm with you, I think is a really good role for him. I don't know if I love a triple guard lineup with this team, but I do like that they could keep him as a six man. So keeping him, trading him, I, like, again, that's why I was kind of like, if they just stuck with everybody, I actually think that's a really good idea for how this team's constructed. But I feel like if they could change him into a small forward with his salary slot, I think they would. I just don't know if they're going to be able to find that guy. Yeah, if it's a starting level small forward, I'm with you. Um, then Unless Gigi we, Jackson, too, Jay, just becomes that guy. He's Gigi looked great Jackson the last two games. Gigi Jackson plays like he did yesterday. Yeah. Like he's the absolute truth. I guess we'll do a side note. This Gigi Jackson um, has been playing. He scored over 20 the last two games for the Grizzlies. He's looked 
athletic. He's looked really awesome. His I just shot think, looks amazing. It does. I, I just, it's so early in the Gigi Jackson experiment. I don't really want to talk about him as one of these, you know, crazy and building blocks right now. And he turned 19 like yeah, two weeks exactly. ago. exactly. So that's the thing. It's always sample size with a lot of these things. Yeah. But okay, smart. You say definitive keep. I say leaning trade if they can get a wing if but you can I'm, get a starter do yeah. it but i'm just dubious as to whether you could get a real starter and i'm with you like if they keep smart i think that's a good move as well smart okay next guy is steven adams he's 30 years old he's coming off his pcl surgery from what i'm reading pcl surgery guys come back and they're pretty much the same so adams is 30 he's a bit older but i feel like he's kind of proven himself to at least at the moment be kind of a core guy. We're seeing NBA players, even role players, play well into their 32, 33, 34 season. So my thing was likely keep plus extend, depending on the cost. Yeah, yeah. I think a likely keep. Um, I, I am a little bit nervous to see like what the like latter part of this contract. And I definitely wouldn't look to put a get Steven Adams on a new contract just knowing the mileage but um I'll like tease a little bit of what I've been thinking this trade deadline the thing that I would like to see the Grizzlies do most is experiment with potential Steven Adam replacements with the salary that they have but we'll get to that later let's keep rolling down the list okay next guy Brandon Clark 27 years old uh he's making the next three seasons after this one, 12.5, 12.5, 12.5. That is a great contract. He's 27, a little older than I would have thought, but like still right in line with the timeline. So I put likely keep unless he's the chip that is what's required to get the star. 100%. And that's kind of where my smart thing was going is like to get the star, I kind of viewed it as like a, it's probably some combo of smart Clark and Aldama or something like that yeah. to make salaries work. But okay, so I think we're both on the keep Clark unless it's absolutely necessary. All right, so next guy, Luke Kennard, 20 or $14 million team option. Uh, I put they likely let Luke Kennard go. This is the big thing. If they keep everyone else, but they decline the team option on Kennard, it gets them under the tax apron. Mm. So small market team feels like the writing's on the wall for this one. Yeah, I don't really see a situation where it makes sense to keep Luke Kennard. I think e even if they're not concerned with getting underneath the apron, I think Luke Kennard, like he really hasn't panned out to be that guy that they wanted him to be. He's the clear, like if everyone's healthy, fourth guard in that rotation, he doesn't have that positional flexibility. Um, he doesn't really like, he doesn't really he's not a perfect match for, you know, this team and, and what they do. Mm -hmm. So um, I definitely have a few Luke Kennard trades that I've uh, crafted up, but we can go into them later. Okay. Let me go through a couple more things. So Santi Aldama, he's kind of been playing the three sometimes for this team. He's like 6'11". This guy is huge, but the three point shot is not quite there. He's only making three point nine next year. And then he has about a six million dollar qualifying offer. I wrote keeper just because he's a rotation guy. But again, another guy that I could see being part of a package for a star. And the final guy I just wrote, probably extend him, Zaire Williams, only 22. So he's nowhere near a finished product. 6.1 next year, 8.3 qualifying the year after. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't want to pay Zaire Williams um, like for his next contract. So if someone is really in love with Zaire Williams or, or like that's a pack, 
someone you can package in a trade for a better player, I think I would do that. Aldama is just on such a small contract. Yeah. And I really love how he plays the game. He is a good passer, a great passer for his size. Um, of course, you wish that he could shoot a little bit more consistently, but um, I wouldn't give him away for like a second round pick. Okay. But- so this is what brings me to the draft, right? Because I think with all of these guys, you can make a case for pretty much all of them but Kennard that they, they should stay. So the draft. I assumed the draft 10 times, just out of curiosity. 7, 7, 8, 3, 7, 2, 2, 4, 7. Um, so the Grizzlies have a 37% chance of getting into that top four. So depending on how the lottery goes, you know, the Grizzlies either are going to pick up like the eighth guy in the draft. You know, life moves on. They still have a great team. They have a really strong core. If the Grizzlies move into the top four, they kind of have like two paths they can go down. The 03 Pistons pack, where they're like already a really good team and they, you know, have this draft pick for whatever reason. Um, it's an interesting draft. There's a guy named Nikola Topic, who is a second rated prospect. Um, so there's a guy though from Baylor, Jacoby Walter, 6'5 guard from Baylor, who can really, really shoot. I don't, you know, I don't know if a rookie's really gonna come in next year and just take this team by storm, but like Seems like there are prospects in this draft that could slot in nicely on this Grizzlies team or the 07 Celtics path where all of a sudden you're trading for a star that just takes your team over the top. The Nets are 10th in the East. Do you think there's a world where they can work out a Bridges trade centered around this pick if this pick gets to three to four? A Mikhail Bridges? A Mikhail Bridges. Yeah, totally. I I think that would make a lot of sense for at least the, the, the Grizzlies moving forward. Um, I, I'm always going to be a little like hesitant from the net standpoint to cash in on Mikhail just because they still aren't in complete control of their pick situation. Yet. So here's one that I'm a little worried about because you're going to be trading a serious player for a, I don't want to be rude. Cause I like this player a lot. We've talked about him quite a bit on this podcast. I'm a fan of his. I think he slots in nice to almost any team in the league, but would you say Marcus Smart is a serious player? Yeah, it's sometimes too serious. How would you describe Kyle Kuzma? Um, <laughs> <laughs> a little unserious. A champion. He's but, a champion. But maybe you get that fifth, sixth pick. Maybe you get that seventh pick, which is kind of where they're slotted right now. Is there a Kuzma trade? Because Kuzma slots in nicely at the three, and he kind of, kind of completes the starting lineup. Yeah, I like that, and and that's a trade that I would even be um, inclined to push for at the trade deadline because. Any like front court player that they would be acquiring, they're going to have to make that fit with Jaron work. And you can at least use the rest of this season to start that like, melding process. process. Yeah. I guess the only worry, though, is if you trade smart to get that Kuzma trade off the road. Like if you can get Kuzma and keep the pick, that's a, that's a home run. I figured to get a Kuzma or especially a Bikel, this pick is going to have to get... I think for Kuzma, it could get it, it could be seven and they could make it happen. I think for them to get Mikel, this pick is gonna have to get into that top four, which they have about a little better than a one in three chance of happening. Yeah, yeah, I agree that the Mikhail trade would probably be an off-season trade. I would really push if I'm serious about a Kyle Kuzma trade like that to try to make that happen at the deadline so that pick regresses a little bit and and gets a little bit closer to um the playoff seeding picks than the um, lottery, like classic lottery top 10 pick um, or, or maybe even throw a protection on there. I think you could get away with that, yeah. especially so. from a bottom team like that. 
Um, I think the Grizzlies, they're having the season from hell. Morant suspension, all the injuries, injuries from last season entering the season. But going through every player, you know, going through this draft prospect and then seeing that maybe this Gigi Jackson guy, look, he's 19 to your point, like 20 games, two points in a row. Like there's a lot of NBA players who do that. I don't want to get like too ahead of that, but like I'm like oddly confident that the Grizzlies can come into next season and be like real like once again be like one seed contenders i'm 100 percent right there with you yeah um also at the deadline i feel like the the people that they could sell on are like the david roddy types the jake laravia types if there's teams that really like them and will throw a second round pick at you i'm like that's where you can build up your like draft assets without like really rocking the boat do you have any Luke Kennard trades that that you liked? So I didn't, and I think this might be another case of uh, James and Patrick have very different valuations of the player. I don't know what NBA team is going to trade for this guy. He's like he theoretically is a masterful fit just because of the crazy shooting ability. He's a great shooter on the catch, off a handoff, you know, on the move, but. He can't get into a rotation. So, like, and this is a lot of teams now where it's like the Clippers. Oh, yeah, a great off-the-ball shooter. Seems like that'd be really nice next to all their ISO guys. The Grizzlies. Like, this team really struggles to score in the half court. A really good shooter seems like they would alleviate that. This guy can't get on the court. Yeah, I agree with you. He's not great. But the one thing that I feel like teams can keep uh, talking themselves into is really great shooting. And... For the right person, if I'm the Grizzlies, I would throw a pick, some kind of like heavily protected pick on there. Probably my favorite trade that I came up with was just a one-to-one swap, Luke Kennard for Robert Williams. It's a roll of the dice, but if you're getting a a healthy Robert Williams and you can put him next to who's only making $11.5 million a year, you're cutting your salary a little bit, and you're you're letting the Trailblazers get off that salary slot a little bit earlier, giving them a pick, and maybe that's a front court. I mean, it's definitely a front court combination that I would be super scared of. What is the... Uh... I mean, I love that for Memphis. I just, I just, I guess Portland, because when I view Portland, it seems like it's a lot of shooters already. Yeah, yeah. I it, it just lets them get a pick. I I would say like I would oh, throw I them a protected the pick, yeah. pick yeah. on there, and then that maybe like eventually turns into two seconds. You get off the scariness of Robert Williams right now. You could maybe still trade him. Go if he gets hurt again. It, he might become an untradeable contract that you you just have to buy out. Um, I made a uh, DeAndre Ayton trade as well. For Memphis. For Memphis. Oh, no. Memphis doesn't want DA. Luke Kennard. No, Memphis doesn't Steven want Steven Adams. Memphis. No, Memphis. And is, Williams. Memphis didn't just hang up the phone. They threw it in the garbage can. Um, yeah, I understand Memphis. I understand why you would do that. Um, I feel like you could talk yourself into it. DeAndre is like the perfectly sized person, has a little bit more scoring, is not quite the rebounder that Steven Adams is, of course. If you told me DeAndre Ayton was going to commit to being like a rough and tugged, like a rough, rugged big, like I'm all in. But if you tell me I'm going to get DeAndre Ayton, who we've seen this season, then like absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, no. How about, um, what about Nikola Vucevic? Would that, um, Interest you, Luke Kennard, okay. Jake Laravia. That's it. No picks. No picks. 
you as the Bulls, you can get off of all the Vucevic money. And if you're the Bulls, you are needing a a bunch of shooters. You get a roll of the dice at a young guy. Okay, so Vucevic is making 18.5 this year, 20 million next year, 21 the year after. Vuce is 33. He'll be 34. Ah, man, that that you know, that trade isn't. I feel like when I first heard it, I was like, that I feel like the Bulls are not getting anywhere near enough value. But if they are gonna be up to be even fire sale mode, and like Vooch is 33, like right, like he I'll give you some be second round those. picks. I don't know if I love this. I see the thing for Memphis is I feel like Vooch is just very anti-team identity, but I feel like Vooch and Jaron together, or it's a great front. I don't know if pick. you could play Vooch with Steven just because of the lack of like horizontal movement, especially as Vooch and Steven are getting into their more mid thirties. But I mean, if you can get that trade, that value to me is really, really, really good. I'm just worried. For Memphis, wow, but I mean that's a good trade. It'll help their half court offense a lot. But um, it, but it, I don't know, man. That's that's just a tough one. I feel like it's like a weird. I feel like the thing with Memphis is like almost all these moves that help their offense, especially in the half court, also hurt their defense. But I don't. I, I don't know. How do you feel? How do you feel about that trade? Like I kind of like it. I kind of. I, I like, it. like it. Yeah. I, I think it it matches the Grizzlies in a way that like a lot of. The Grizzlies players, they they are rough, but which I think Vooch can be physical at yeah, times. Yeah, he's European. But they're also high IQ. And I would love that little added extra passing influx into their offense. Um, it, it would definitely be a, a move before a move. I think if you do something like that, you've got to trade Steven Adams. Maybe you can keep him as, as a guy coming off the bench, but that would just be a lot of... Um, of of your cap dedicated to big guys, I guess my concern. Well, so Vooch is having a really down year from three, but it's like this. So Vooch Vooch is a real wow. This is weird. Since twenty twenty, forty percent, thirty nine percent, thirty one percent, thirty five percent, twenty seven percent from three. This year, twenty seven percent from three. Yeah, yes. but but again, that's. But that's a whole added similar new attempts, wrinkle to weird, your offense. Weird, yeah, no, it's. I kind of I feel like Memphis is the value is way too good for Memphis to ever say no to that trade, and I think Chicago maybe would say yes if they really just want to get off Vooch's contract. But yeah, that's a, that's an interesting concept. All right, um, yeah, it's a fun trade. I yeah. don't know if that's even being discussed, but that's a fun one. No, I mean, hey, I've got no intel, guys. I just like playing around with the trade machine. And then my last thing was like maybe there's some kind of like. Luke Kennard and Brandon Clark for Andrew Wiggins. If you want to like get in buy low there um, and you can give the Warriors another shooter, which they like desperately need. But it's it's definitely not like a straightforward path to make a deal like that work. Kind of like that for both teams. I mean, you know, the Warriors like Wiggins has been so bad. Getting Clark is nice. He's on a nice contract. I mean, I just feel like Kennard is. It, dude, it's just that team option. Like, I don't think any team would pick that up. Yeah, no. But that also makes it an expiring deal, which yeah. has value in its own right. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot of different ways that the Grizzlies can move move forward. And if you're a Grizzlies fan, it's definitely disappointing what this season has been. But like you said I think earlier, the future is super bright for this team. future is still totally as bright. And at the end of the day, you've got John Morant. The number one thing that you're worrying about if you're a John Morant fan is like 
You don't want to see the Derrick Rose injury. You don't want to see the Penny Hardaway injury. And you know what? He's almost going to have an entire year of rest on his knees. So yeah. at least there's that. I think, like, the other thing, too, with Memphis, like, I know I keep taking back to last season, but, like, Morant was 23. Bain was 24. Jeremy was 23. This team is, like, they're not they're, – the core three building blocks of the team aren't even at their apex yet. Mm-hmm. And there's so much potential. And I think, like – I think, like, this season could be a season where we look back, like, two years from now and we're like, wow, like, letting Desmond Bain get some more on-ball chops for a whole year was, like – pretty good for his development even though we haven't seen the passing develop which was kind of what we wanted to see from Bane in that lead role but like you know he will be playing with Maria more like I I'm really excited for the future of the Grizzlies I just kind of hope Jaw can keep it all together off the court and and because his legal troubles are not are not gone no his legal troubles are still around but also there is some low-key like Duncan upside to this offseason for them like you said if their pick fall falls into a range where they can jump in the lottery. This draft is one of those like Anthony Bennett type drafts drafts where, you know, as long as you can identify your guy, which the Grizzlies front office has showed us time and time again, that they are good drafters. They could maybe walk away with a guy that just absolutely blows the roof off their ceiling. And then all these trades that we talked about doesn't even matter because you got another guy and that's what's really important in the NBA. Yeah, no, I'm very excited for the Grizzlies future. Like, I agree with you. The one thing, like, they will probably need to start thinking about, like, who's going to be in the Steven Adams spot. It's not like Steven Adams has been the healthiest guy throughout his career. Mm -hmm. So, like, if they could get enough, another, like, rough and rugged big, like, to just slot in behind him and kind of be groomed to be the future of their position there like i like that for them but all right should we move on to the utah jazz let's move on to the utah jazz the team that is lighting the nba on fire they are 15 and 5 in their last 20 games james there are six teams in the nba who have had a span of 15 and 5 or better can you tell me what those six teams are in the league this year yeah sixers Nope. Sixers have never gone 15 and 5. They have not had a stretch of 15 and 5. Wow. Uh the Bucks. The Bucks. Celtics. The Celtics. The Nuggets. The Nuggets. How many more teams? Two more. Um Timberwolves. Timberwolves. Thunder. Thunder. Oh, I guess one more. Who else is top of the West? Those are the top three teams in the West. Who was like three before the Thunder? A team that similarly to the Jazz started off the season very rough. Is it the Cavaliers? It is not the Cavaliers. It It is in the West. It is the Clippers. Oh, yeah, the Clippers. Yeah, so Boston, Denver, the Clippers, the Bucks, the Thunder, and Minnesota. The only other teams that have had a span of 15 and 5 or better this season. That is a super, that's almost a quarter of the year. Super elite um like run to go on and in that time in the last 20 games they have had the eighth best offensive rating in the league the 14th best defensive rating in the league and the ninth best net rating in the league they're it's all behind like really rugged rough play from their front court they made a change they put walker kessler on the best bench They've been starting John Collins, and they've been starting Colin Sexton, who has been really, really awesome for them. Um, what have you seen from from this Jazz? We're we're talking about this because we want to decide 
Is this Jazz team, should they be a buyer or should they be a seller going into this trade deadline season? So I think I kind of went into this with a little bit more of a cynical view because I also have an interesting record stretch exercise for you that I think you're going to find really fun. But I think the big thing is like you're playing with Simone Font. To Chet- Simone Fontecchio, come on, my guy. Simone uh, Fettuccini, uh, he's Italian, he's 28. Um, the guy, you know, he's he's giving them size, he's giving them shooting, he's giving them passing. They've got, like, a nice flow to their offense. Markinen, I think, like, is one of the best play finishers in the NBA. Um, so I'm not going to take anything away from the Jazz. Like, the last five games, they beat the Sixers, no Embiid. The Bucks, no Lillard. Nuggets, full Nuggets, crushed them. Raptors beat them. Lakers, no LeBron, beat them too. So they've been beating a lot of really good teams. They've gotten kind of lucky with teams like resting their guys against they the Jazz. They absolutely have. They but they've still been winning. Like that Nuggets game, Jokic played. Murray played. They crushed them. Um, so I kind of went into this, Patrick, because I still am not sure I buy the Jazz as a team. Just like when I look at the roster, I'm not sure I buy it. So I have a fun exercise for you. Okay, let's do it. In the NBA, obviously, we talked about 15 and 7. Or you said 15 and 5 in their last 20. So it's, I have them down as 15 and 7 since December 1st. Either way, amazing record. Yeah. This is mine since December 11th. Okay. So the big thing in the NBA, you know, you look at the NBA standings, you Google NBA standings, it'll show you their tier record, it'll show you their last 10. So the Jazz are 8 and 2 in their last 10. So out of curiosity, because we talked, we kind of had this weird discussion about like statistical anomalies, stretches. Like, so I was, how often does a sub playoff team, so a team that misses the playoff or even the play in, go eight and two in a given season. How many times do you think that's happened in the last two seasons where a team that didn't make the play-in or the playoff went eight and two in a 10-game stretch? In a 10-game stretch, I would imagine this is a little bit more like this happens more than than you would think, especially because of of end-of-season stretches. That happens a lot. So I I don't even know what most of the time when these stretches happen, they happen during this part of the season. I found really? out. Yeah. So that's, that's why I'm a little bit pumped the brakes. But so can you just state the question one more time? How many teams in the last two seasons that missed the plan and the playoffs? So just a completely sub playoff team, a bottom 10 team. How many of those teams had an eight and two stretch? Like eight. Five, so eight, eight would be crazy because okay. you got to remember, they, like to get eight wins, that's a huge chunk. Of yeah, the and to be a bottom, like so out of the plan. Last year, the Mavericks did it, December twenty first through January eighth. The Pacers did it last year, December twenty first through January eighth. Weird mirror there, where they did it the exact same date range. Yeah, that is weird. Uh, the uh, but twi- that uh, Halliburton stretch, yeah, matches up with this Jazz yeah. stretch. Uh, the twenty twenty two Magic, early December to late December, did it. Uh, the 2021 Spurs did it in March and April, and the 2021 Wizards did it October 27th through November 15th. My point being, I think this Jazz team is really good. Last year, this team was, what, 11th or 12th in the West at the end of the season? Mm-hmm. I kind of feel the same way about them, to be honest. And I feel like looking back at these five teams that have done it, it's I think it's kind of hard when you're in the moment to not get wrapped up. With like, wow, look how good they are. This is their offensive rating during the stretch, but it's like, this isn't actually as uncommon as we think it is for teams that are right on the edge of the playoffs to have a really good stretch like this. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you with the 10-game stretch, but it has been a little bit more sustained That's true. than what you're normally going to see out of a, a bad team. And I'm not saying that this Jazz team is like... I, I think they're just about right. 
I think they're a play-in, like, they have play-in talent on their team. What makes this whole discussion really interesting, in my opinion, is the status of their first-round pick. Their first-round pick, they actually traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder in 2021, and it has a 1 through 10 protection on it this year, and it has a 1 through 8 protection on it next year. And then the year after that, it um, turns into two second round round picks. Yeah, so I wrote down the case for buyers in the case for being sellers, and that pick was a big reason why I think they should be sellers. See, my thing is like they're with their record at this at where it is right now, it's gonna be really hard, even if they sell, to gain that much ground on any like I don't think they're gonna be able to get it it's going to be really close getting it to that 10th pick. Yeah, true. Talking about the other team, like Memphis is another team that's trying to be like, hmm, how do we get by that Spurs-Pistons-Wizards triumphant? Like, they're definitely not going to pass Detroit, San Antonio, yeah. Washington, Charlotte, Portland, Memphis. Probably won't pass Toronto. Probably won't pass, pass Atlanta. Then you're getting into like, Golden State, Chicago, Houston, like it, they're, they're going to have to be worse than than four, the four of those teams, basically. Well, to keep their I honestly, the way the Raptors have been since the trade, I know small sample, but like you don't think that they could drop behind the Raptors if they start selling I, like I think they could easily drop behind the well, Rockets. Let's and talk about they what selling. they would be selling. So that's the question. So here's my thing for them being sellers. So that top 10 pick, they only get it if it's top 10. Um, in 2025, they own the Cavaliers picks and the Timberwolves picks. I, I don't think those are going to be very good picks. <laughs> no, they are probably not going to be very good so picks. So the big like crown jewel, like I feel like there's been this lot of discussion like, Utah and OKC own the whole league's draft picks. But then you go through it and it's like, none of those are that crazy. Like... In 2027, they own the Lakers' top four protected picks. So it's like, okay. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I think that's like this crown jewel pick that's talked about that way. I don't think it is a crown jewel pick. So I think the case for being sellers is they have ammo in terms of number of picks, but they don't have ammo in terms of like coveted picks, right? And if they just keep being a decent team, my worry for the Jazz, and it sucks, right? I don't, I hate being like every team should tank. Right, because I don't think every team should tank, but I think the problem for Utah is they're probably the NBA's players' least favorite team to go to in free agency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, my thing is another thing that should inform what they do. It's just the caliber of the draft class. Yeah, that's true. If if they end up keeping their pick this year, first of all, just with the the young talent that they have on the roster, it's going to be. Pretty hard to keep it next year. And I would much rather keep it next year than than have the pick this year. I guess my like my my thing though is like as much as we can go into a draft and be like, this is the draft that will define the draft, like no one knows. Not even the NBA teams know, right? Like the Wiggins Jabari draft was like unbelievably hyped back in the day. And like neither Wiggins nor Jabari really amounted to being a superstar. 
Um, that is true. Like, I don't know. I, I, I like I, this goes for a lot of different sports leagues, but like, I feel like a lot of the times when we're like, this draft's going to suck. Usually ends up being kind of decent, surprisingly decent. Yeah, it's like you find and your guys. As like as like as good as NBA teams are at assessing talent, like what did Devin Booker go like seventh in his draft, eighth? Uh, he went thirteenth. Yeah, thirteenth. Like Bam Adebayo went like fourteenth in his draft. Like Nikola Jokic went fifty sixth or whatever. <laughs> like I don't know. I I think that's the only time I maybe pump the brakes on like oh this draft sucks. Let's just plan for next year's draft being better. I mean, obviously, you've got the two Rutgers guys in next year's draft, so they're probably going to be, like, the best two players yeah, in history. Like, but. maybe a Michael Jordan, yeah, Hakeem like, Olajuwon kind of value. Yeah, but... <laughs> I'm kidding, but... <laughs> here's um, what... Here's another thing that I realized. I think... So, I'm, I'm pretty high on Laurie Markkinen. I think he's... Same. He's I am too. just what? awesome. You can't find, like, unicorn dudes that just yeah. can do everything on offense like him. Who is the Jazz's GM? Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge. But that's why I also think they're going to be sellers. No, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. So the 2006-2007 Boston Celtics. Yep. Terrible team. Yeah. Right? They were built around one scoring forward. Forward. Yeah. Paul Pierce. Not too dissimilar to Lowry Markkinen. Wait a second. They had a good amount of picks. Wait a second. No, no, no. I think that this, the Jazz should be looking to acquire a star at a great, like, it, I don't think they should force it. I'm going to push. But if you I'm can gonna... get, like, a DeJounte Murray for cheap, for one of those, ter for, like, a terrible Cleveland pick or a terrible Minnesota pick, or if you can get the Bulls to give you a pick to take on Zach Levine... That's those are the kinds of trades that I would start looking for if I'm the Jazz right now. So you're doing the case for being a buyer. I I I want to push back on the market and Pierce thing because Pierce, for his career, not a great great passer from like an assist total wise, but marketing is like a career one and a half assist guy. Like even in this more first option role, like marketing does not pass. I'm with you. I'm <laughs> like, not saying he's a very Pierce unique play finisher. Markkinen, but <laughs> it, it just changes it a little bit. Yeah. Markkinen's going to be your Ray Allen. You're going to have to acquire your one and your two. But I think right now they just weirdly are set up in the same way to where like there's there's a few like star-ish players like Ray Allen was at the time in Seattle where like you could maybe get them on the cheap right now. I'm not saying you force it. But, uh, like, it would be such a coup if the Jazz could say, yeah, we have two of the best, like, contracts in the NBA in DeJounte Murray and Lowry Markinen right now. And we still have, like, this whole, like, like, stockpile of assets waiting in our coffers just in case a mega star becomes available. And then like, you know what? We're going to trade for him because we're the jazz and we can't get you to come so, any other way. Okay. So I'm going to skip the rest of my being sellers. It's really just, this team is actually a little bit older than you think for guys that get a lot of minutes on this team. Um, so you're thinking almost there's a world where like they get DeJounte Murray on good value. They get Zach Levine on great value. Cause obviously Levine situation is weird. Now all of a sudden you've got Kessler marking in Levine and Murray. Yes. That's that a pretty good team. Exactly. And you've got Simone Fontecchio running the three. Yeah. 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 Simone I mean, Fontecchio. That is a fun team. I like that team. I mean, that's a good case for being buyers. Um, 
So also one thing I had on my, my case for being buyers is to your point, like those Cavs and Wolves picks in 2025 probably won't be that good. Why not trade them and get value from them now? They're most likely not going to become more valuable than they are right now. Exactly. So that was what I had on the case for being buyers is because I'm not as high in the assets. Like why not cash it in now? The only the one thing I wanted to say for the case for being sellers is especially knowing Danny's history of fleecing people. I feel like he could get a lot for marketing given how good marketing's contract is. Like just an absurd draft pick haul. But it just begs the question, like, you know, Danny Ainge is a bit older. How long does he want to string out this rebuild? Because right now it does feel like they're kind of in that. Yeah, more direction he has two more years left on his contract marking in. And I, I personally would lean on the side of like, if we're going to trade him, let's do it in the off season. Just see like, because he's still playing well. Um, Cause I think that's the thing with marketing that makes him such a crazy trade chip is because the contract is so good. Like, and if you're looking at a team, like maybe the thunder view marketing is like the ultimate finishing piece to take them from like fun, young team, to like, okay, we can win the title this year is like, all right, man, I know you guys have like 30 picks. I want 20 of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you can do something like that, I'm definitely in from a jazz perspective, but yeah, it's just a really exciting time to be a jazz fan. I think like Keontae George has been awesome. Walker Kessler had a really rough start to the year. And since he's been back has been uh, affecting their defense in similar ways to, to what he was doing in his rookie year. Um, but yeah, as far as contracts, I, I think you do want to look to trade Taylor Horton Tucker coming up at that deadline, turn him into more consistent, like more money that's going to stay on the books. He's making $11 million um, this year that is expiring. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Do you, have, do you have anything else on the jazz? I mean, I like this buyer's world you've, you've put together. I guess I just, it doesn't seem very Danny Ainge like. I mean, it's exactly what Danny Ainge did. I know, but but you cannot compare Garnett <laughs> and no, no, Allen no. to they, Levine and Murray. Yeah, they would they would have to find a another. Um, this another is almost guy. like, and if I the, think you only get one of those two. But I, this that almost feels like if they the 06 Celtics traded for like Joe Johnson and Al Horford. Yeah, it might, <laughs> like, it's not the same. It might be they 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 could just do the the Nets trade, and I mean they could trade for Al Horford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet the uh, the Celtics would be interested in that. Yeah, is he just a sleeper uh, sleeper agent for the Celtics still, just waiting to trade the the white guy to Boston? Yeah, no, I mean I I I guess you've opened my eyes for a buyer's world because I uh, to your point, like, and what I wrote down is just like. I just I'm not in love with the Cavs and Wolves pick. Like I'm personally very high in the Cavs going forward and I was this year obviously the Wolves. I think like Anthony Edwards has shown like he really is a bona fide 1A guy and like he's going to be there for a while. So like at best it's going to be late lottery. lottery. Yeah, so like I don't know and that's at best. Yeah. Like likely is it's not in the lottery. So yeah, I mean I I guess my only fear of being a buyer is it almost to me feels like if Utah's really going to make the the chip to get that one a guy, it's going to start with a market in for unprotected firsts from a team that actually has a chance to give you the number one pick. Because like I just I'm worried right now about like you do that Murray trade or you do that Levine trade or magically you do both and like you're like okay we're good 
We're the fifth best team in the West. And now we've got Zach Levine on this big contract and we've lost a lot of movability. Yeah, I, I would definitely lean for the Murray trade. Yeah. Like if you can if you could choose one. First of all, just he's on he's contract controlled for the next five years. So DeJounte Murray, I'm sorry if you don't want to be in Utah. You have to be. And it would be like a Sexton, Olinick, Taylor Horton, Tucker, a lot of expiring money there. Kelly Olinick is an expiring $12 million contract. And then, I don't know, maybe you could get away with just one of the Minnesota or Cleveland picks. But two, why not? You have so many young players anyways. Like, how do you really want to take three first-round picks next year? Um, That that would be my favorite one. And then you also get the Clint Capella money back, so you can add that into your, like, big swing during the summer or during next season – for the next like angry star, um, maybe you can do a similar thing of pushing it down the road in the off season with like a Draymond Green for Clint Capella thing. I don't know. Um, yeah, there's so many different ways they could go. I guess so. I guess the final thing on the Jazz then, like right now, this is the bottom or this is eight through twelve in the West. Suns eight, twenty one and eighteen. Jazz nine, twenty two and twenty. Lakers ten, twenty and twenty one. Rockets eleven, nineteen and twenty. Warriors 18 and 22. So, like, where do you think the Jazz finish? I mean, it's hard to not think, at least at this point in the season with the information we have, that they're going to finish above the Warriors. Um, I do think this is a play-in caliber caliber team. Where do you think they finish? I think that they're middle-of-the-road strength of schedule going – forward as well so it's like not that they've played a super easy schedule Uh, this is tough i mean the rockets have kind of like you know kind of like fallen back to earth but again this is where i feel like i'm always like the anti-fun guy when teams are on these crazy streaks i'm like yeah it's you know december like a lot of teams go on crazy streaks at one point in the season so i think we're seeing the best of the jazz right now i say 10 i think like the rockets I feel like honestly should not be a sub 500 team, but if they are going to keep being one, like I feel like they could be 10 ahead of the Rockets. I just, I know we, the Lakers are a team we kind of disagree on. I just kind of refuse to believe the Lakers are going to be a sub 500 team the rest of the season. Um, so I'm going to have them at 10. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're right around the same, same place for the jazz. Yeah. I definitely don't think they're going to win 75% of their their games games going forward. forward. But even if they stay at 500 and that's a, pretty precipitous drop from 75%. Um, It'll be hard for teams to jump them. Like, just look at all the teams in that area. They are all struggling to stay at 500 right now. Yeah, I mean, they have, so they have kind of a fun stretch here. They've got the Warriors tomorrow, which, like, who knows what the Warriors. Yeah, the reeling Warriors. The reeling Warriors. The Thunder, which, like, hey, man, at home. You yeah. know? Hey, you've been beating every great team in the league, so yep. let's see it. So this is the stretch that I feel like will really decide like if the Jazz like are for real or not. So they have their rematch games. They've got the Knicks, the Sixers, the Bucks, the Thunder, the Suns, Warriors, and then the Lakers. So that like six game stretch in February, I feel like maybe kind of determines what this real Jazz team looks like. Yeah, yeah, no, and just coming right up to the trade deadline, that's kind of the perfect stretch to have games like that where you can really assess assess what you're going to do for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. But come on, go for it. Try to win. Let's see it. 
Yeah. Maybe you can knock a big dog out. That's exciting. True. All right. Should we get to best take, worst take? Let's get to best take, worst take. What was your best take this week? Oh, okay. So I'm kind of breaking foul trouble like norms norms with this one because this take was just so confounding. It was actually made a couple weeks ago and I just... It is equally my best take and my worst take of the week. I'm wondering if you have it as well, because I felt like it just needed to be part of this conversation. Kyle Kuzma. What, what did he say? A couple weeks ago, he went. Oh, the Pistons. The, the Pistons broke the all-time losing streak record. Kyle Kuzma tweeted a like quote tweet of the final score of that game. And said, at this point, it's like, don't be that team. Of course, yesterday, the Wizards were that team. They lost to the Pistons, giving them only their second win since the first week of the season. And I'm like, I just, it's so embarrassing and bad. I didn't know which way to go. Because I feel like it is the best take of the week. It's like, yeah, no one wants to be that team. Especially no one wants to be you, Kyle Kuzma. Because you completely embarrassed yourself for saying this. He jinxed him. He jinxed well, himself. You got to give – I will give this to Kuzma. I think he meant the f- the, the team to actually break the streak, which I, was the Raptors. I, I, I understand that. But also, that Raptors team was like half of an NBA roster okay. because yeah. they just made their t- big trade. True. Also, I mean, I will also say like – yeah, I mean, even if that's like what he did meant, like just specifically the streak, it's not like the Pistons didn't just go right back into starting a new losing streak. Yes, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So I feel like it's equally the worst take because like... Because it is a great take. You don't want to be yeah, that team. It's a great take, but also you are on the team that would do it. If any team, like you got to be self-aware. Dude, you're on the Wizards. Yeah, like has he seen the standings lately? Does he exactly. know how, how close he is to like where the Pistons record is right now? I, I wish Kyle Kuzma would like just get out of his own way sometimes. Like I, I've always kind of liked his like game, especially the way he changed his game to fit into the championship Lakers team. But like, man, like sometimes he just takes colossal L's. Yeah, and this is... Uh, this is one of the worst ones on at least Twitter wise that I feel like Kyle Kuzma's ever taken. Uh, um, well, I've got another worst take. Okay, but let me go to my best take. Yeah, yeah, give, give me both. I'm sorry, I had to. No, no, shake of course. It up. But to a great guy, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, as we know, a couple nights ago was blowout central night in the NBA. We had a Celtics thrashing of the Bucks. The Thunder like pulverized some team. There was a lot of blowouts one night. Giannis said, quote, if you don't play hard and give everything to the team, there are times where you might get booed. Shit, I'd boo myself tonight, too. (laughs) These guys were making way too much money to not try hard every night. And I'll be honest, Patrick, I don't care if it's a back-to-back. I don't care if it's a (laughs) back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Like, I don't care. Like, play hard. I have been – this is on on another night recently, but – uh, I've been so vocal on this podcast about how high I am on the Celtics and thinking that the Celtics are like gonna be like kind of a dominant team and win the championship this year. But the one time, the one thing that has shaken my faith in the Celtics was the Celtics going down by like 30 points at halftime against the Bucks in like the marquee Eastern Conference matchup of the season. I don't care if it's a back to back. 
have your dudes play in the second half. Like, have a little respect for Ma- yourself. Missoula is like the biggest fraud watch coach. Like, what the heck? Like, I get it. Like, sit the fourth. I don't care. But like, you just got embarrassed in the they, first they half, and that, you don't even try. They need the mental energy to watch the town for the twentieth time that week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was it Missoula who said he watches the town like every every week? day? Every yeah, day. like, t- dude. I feel like if the Celtics don't win the championship, there's going to be a lot of like, what were they thinking bringing Missoula back? Oh yeah, no that that is going going to, to be happen the, the thing, and everyone's going to be like Brad. You got to get back on the bench, even though he's been like the best GM in the league. Yeah. But um, All right. My worst take. I've already given this guy a worst take and he won that week. And I actually think he's got a, a really good, strong chance to win again this week. Uh, I think we might have talked about this. Carmelo Anthony mm-hmm. said, quote, the Nuggets gave Jokic number 15 as a petty maneuver to erase his accomplishments. So, Patrick, I was like, you know what? What were Melo's accomplishments? Are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, he had three all-star appearances. That's less than you'd think. With the Nuggets. With the Nuggets. He had one all-NBA second team. It's pretty good. Yep. Three all-NBA third teams. So I said, what is the, what is the like, let me find a similar player. So I found a player from Carmelo Anthony's draft class. Uh, Chris Bosh, as a Raptor, he made four all-star appearances, so more than Melo. He also had an all-NBA second team. Uh, now, here's what distincts Chris Bosh from uh, Carmelo Anthony. Chris Bosh left as the franchise's all-time leader in points, blocks, he still is, rebounds, he still is, and the Raptors gave his number four to Scotty Barnes, who was an actual lottery pick with actual expectations. This Jokic take is so bad. The Nuggets clearly didn't draft Jokic with high expectations given they drafted him in the same draft as Yusuf Nurkic. Um, I- I'm with you. It's complete bullshit. They did not give him Carmelo's number to select. They didn't think Jokic was going to become like a top 10 player all, all time. time. Yeah, like. But I will push back a little bit. Melo did have some really like great accomplishments specifically for the Nuggets. The Nuggets are a team that had... I don't think ever made the Western Conference Finals before that run with Melo. He was probably the team's best player all time, at least in the NBA, um, before Jokic came along. And he's also, like, really cool. (laughs) That's my counterpoint. He's really cool, and he has a really good uh, MTV Cribs episode. Just check it out. (laughs) Also that. Thank you, Max. Um, Well, I, I, I might push back, though. I would argue Carmelo is his generation's Alex English. Yes, Alex English was a certified bucket. David Thompson was, is also very in that. David Thompson scoring was, forward was role. great, but they didn't have the, quite the team success that Melo had in his abbreviated time um, with the Nuggets. But um, yeah, I mean, Melo, you got to get over this. Like, <laughs> they didn't give him your number because they don't like you. They gave him your number because well, they I mean, also you didn't don't leave think on, about you. You didn't leave on good terms. Yeah, yeah. Totally. They, it could have, you were exp- an expiring contract and you could have just waited and walked away, but you did not want to do that. And you ended up ruining both franchises for a while because of that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. It just, it's so weird to get upset about. Like Chris Bosh isn't like, I can't believe they gave Scotty Barnes number four. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're right about that. I, it, it is a bad take. I just don't, 
I don't know. I don't want to uh, disparage Mellow. Disparage. Yeah, I feel like I've done a lot of disparaging Mellow. Mellow was awesome, but I feel like when I look back at Carmelo Anthony's career, he's a Nick. He's a New York oh. Nick through and through for me. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's it's right there. Like everybody had that Mellow Powder Blue Denver Nuggets jersey though back in the day. That's true. That's true. I I, I do kind of think of him as a, as a Nugget. Um, really, I I, I just. Think of him solely as like a Nick. I don't know. It's like he wanted to be a Nick. He stayed for a long time. Some of those Knicks teams were really fun and awesome. Yeah. Talk about a, a bad divorce, though. Him and the Knicks also had a terrible one. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just I feel like with the Knicks, you have, like, so much success in the, like, n- 90s and in, in the 70s, 80s that you can you can point to. But with the Nuggets, it's just like – you know, they were pretty good in the ABA and then <laughs> they were absolutely awful. Like they all, they should have moved away and then they lucked out and got Carmelo were a little bit relevant. And now of course they've entered their, um, what was Quesarito era yeah. um, with Nikola Jokic. I guess the main point being there's a lot of players on the mellow tier like i guess a lot of people would say Melo is better than chris bosh i don't think that's unfair but like in terms of just accolades and what they did with their franchise like bosh i guess is more impactful for the raptors in that sense like the all-time leader in points rebounds and blocks is kind of crazy like um and like he doesn't care if they give like people players of that tier get their numbers taken yeah it's very like vince carter-esque yeah for the raptors of like they were both like they both kind of like redefined the sport in their areas, but also just like kind of their illusions of grandeur ruined the end of their stint at, in both of those towns. Yeah. All right. So the worst take, is it Kyle Kuzma or Carmelo Anthony? <sighs> Max, who are you going with? I think Kyle has to take the L. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> but it was a nomination for best take. <laughs> uh, it was also a nomination for best take, but it was also a nomination for worst take. That's, that's why Kyle Kuzma is next level. That's because true. He's he's breaking breaking history. It's never been done before. He's a champion. This is why the Grizzlies should trade for him and not Mikael Bridges. Exactly. Exactly. I would. I, I gotta look into. I didn't even think about that. I, I love that Kyle Kuzma fit on the Grizzlies. All right. So Kuzma, worst take of the week. Um, who who was worst take last week? I already I already forgot. I feel like the takes have we've had some like really really bad ones at the beginning of the season. I feel like the bad takes have gotten oh, a little less it bad. It was uh, James Worthy. Oh yeah, that was a good one. That yeah. was a good one on LeBron's dunk. Did you see Paul George talking yeah. about his thought process there? That was pretty funny. I yeah, give you shout out Paul your George. Flowers, Paul keeping George. Keeping it keeping it humble, keeping it real. We appreciate you, Podcast P. All right, we'll see you guys on Thursday. Peace.